Mila asked her mom one simple question. Mommy, why doesn't anyone in my books have cochlear implants like me? That question was what sparked Katie to take action to create a book for her daughter and other children simply so they felt represented. Katie knew nothing about the process of publishing a book, but she didn't let that stop her. Mighty Mila is now a multi-award winning book. It has gone on to win awards like gold winner of the IBPA Benjamin Franklin, Wishing Shelf, Eric Hoffer, First Horizon, and Reader's Favorite Book Award. You're listening to Rock Your Kindness, a new podcast presented by Love What Matters and dedicated to highlighting incredible stories surrounded by kindness. I'm your host, Tracy Farron, author, speaker, cancer thriver, and online creator. But what I really love to do is inspire others to be kinder to themselves and those they encounter, because you never know how your kindness can change the trajectory of not just your life, but the life of another. So Colin, the founder of Love What Matters usually sends me stories that he thinks would be really good in alignment for the show. I've been writing for Love What Matters for many years. And so I still go and look at all their stories and see ones that really speak to me. And I actually found your story and it resonates with me because I actually have a daughter who wears hearing aids. Oh, really? And so when I saw this and I saw that it was different and everything, I was like, I love it. And I am all about spreading messages that maybe other people are like, eh, I don't know, or noticed like the whole bookstore. And so I was like, no, no, I want to have her on. I just, I want to hear more because honestly, because we found out, I think kindergarten, first grade, we just thought she was a loud girl. She was six weeks early. She came out screaming. We thought, okay, great developed lung. She's going to be an opera Mm -hmm. singer. And then as a little girl, she was loud. We're like, okay, she's going to be in theater. We didn't realize why she was so loud. And I remember we would always be like, shh, whisper. I don't know how to whisper. We're like, really? Like, what do you mean you don't know? So there were the signs were there. And for us, I couldn't get her to read because I homeschooled them for a little bit. And I was like, okay, I suck as a teacher. I could get my other kids to read. Why can't I get her to read? And it's like one thing leads to another. I knew there was a disconnect, but I didn't know where the disconnect was. And that's why we started having testing. And then sure enough, she just has hearing loss. And so she can't hear high pitches, the S's, the C-H's, the Z's. And mine are very pronounced to where even in, in post-production, they have to kind of soften it a little bit. I'm like, it makes sense why she couldn't hear me because mine are so pronounced. Yeah. I would say the one blessing that she did have, which I know is not common because they have another friend who her daughter has implants as well. I'll actually be seeing her this weekend is my daughter's best friend had hearing AIDS. Her hearing loss was a little bit more extreme and she literally lived right around the corner. Like, How do you get two little girls? It was meant to be that she had that friendship and it probably really helped her like acclimate to the hearing aids and just the idea of it because it wasn't like a foreign concept to her. That's really nice. Mila doesn't have any close friends with hearing loss. We don't have anybody else in our district like we used to when she was younger. We used to do like a little group through our early intervention in New York, but with COVID that ended. And so once in a while, we're getting together with someone that we know, but she doesn't have anyone like in her life that's a child that has hearing devices. So I can imagine that that is something that's a little bit tough for us and lacking. That's nice that your daughter has that friend. Yeah. And they were friends for years. I mean, she's 21 now, but the funny, we always joke about like in our house when they were both over, it was a lot of, huh? Huh? Because <laughs> they would talk to each other, but they were always saying, huh? And we would just laugh about it. And then when I would say Faith and she'd ignore me, I'm like, Faith. And she's like, what? I'm like, do you have your hearing aids in? No, like, put <laughs> yeah. it in. I'm trying to talk to you. But she would just pull them out because she would want to yeah. give her ears a break. And so she'd just pull them out. She said she feels like growing up, we yelled a lot, but we just didn't know if she <laughs> yeah. heard us. And so Elevate we would everything. just <laughs> speak louder. And so she feels like she was yelled at a lot. And I'm like, well, sometimes you were because you're a little girl, but other times, We just thought we had to yell for you to hear us. So I just love your story because it hits close to home. And I don't think I realized 
because my daughter had the best friend and because of how we raised her and stuff, like it was normal for us that she had a best friend and they rode the bus together, went to school together, hung out. And so I don't think I realized until now, as I've gotten older and your story and my other friend, they're like, no, it's not. We would have loved for her to have a best friend growing up, whatever. So definitely so grateful for it. I just wanted you to know, like, so you're like, oh, no, that's great to know. I was so excited when your team reached out about sharing the story because I love sharing about it to help people understand and understand how important, right, that inclusion is in children's books. I mean, whether it's hearing loss or any other kind of difference or disability or anything like that, it's just so important because that's how young kids learn. If they see it in a children's book, they have the opportunity to ask questions of their parents that maybe they don't feel comfortable with, or maybe their parents don't feel comfortable with them asking in public when they see somebody that maybe has that disability. They should always feel comfortable asking. Uh I love when people ask me questions. I love when people ask me questions. I like when people ask Mila questions as long as it's in a kind way, right? Yeah. But I think that having the children's books gives them a little bit more of a safe zone to feel like they can ask questions to their parent or whoever's reading it to them and help them like understand more so that when they encounter someone in real life, they know more about it. Did you find that there were books on hearing aids? Because we had ordered my daughter when we found out a book on it because her friends were asking her and it came with something that had a hearing aids too. It was a little stuffed animal that came with it. I don't know about that one, but... In terms of books that are out there, I searched for books, even when she had hearing aids, Mila had hearing aids for a couple of years before her hearing dropped. Mm -hmm. And then she got cochlear implants when she was three years old because her hearing had gone to profound deafness, essentially over like a six month period. I had gotten a number of books that we would read and I searched for as many books as I could about character, getting hearing aids and then going and getting cochlear implants because she was so little at that point that I couldn't really explain like, you're going to get surgery or you're going to go to the doctor and you're not going to be able to hear for a while because they're going to put implants in your head. You can't explain that to a three-year-old. So the way I explained it to her was through children's books. And I could find a couple, but it became obvious that most of the books that were out there were really about the character's medical journey. And that was great at that point. But then after Mila had gotten her cochlear implants, she was ready to move on. Like she still likes reading some of those books, but she really wanted to see herself represented as a typical kid doing all the same things that typical kids like to do. And not just so-and-so goes to the audiologist and gets hearing aid molds or gets cochlear implants. And she still reads those books and we still read them at nighttime, but there was such a gap in the market for books where it's normalized and a disability is not the main focus of the story. It's something that adds to the character and the characters traits and who they are, but it's not the sole story that the book is about. So that's really like the reason why I started writing it. Yeah. Okay. So tell me about that moment that she looked at you and was like, mommy, why doesn't anyone in the books have implants like me? Yeah, that was tough. It was a few months after she had gotten her cochlear implants and life was going back to normal for us. She had adjusted to them. She was understanding through them because it takes a little bit of time for your brain to kind of rewire to understanding sound electronically instead of acoustically because sound doesn't go through her ears. It goes through a processor that sits on her head and connects in to the implant that essentially wraps through her inner ear to her auditory nerve. And so we were reading books, part of bedtime, right? Normal bedtime routine. And she picked up this one book that had like a ton of characters throughout it, like many different characters. And she was looking, she started flipping furiously through the book and I saw her frowning. I had a feeling I knew what she was looking at because she was kind of looking close and peering, like looking at all their heads. And I asked her what was the matter? And she said, nobody in this book has cochlear implants like me. And I was like, well, would you want to read one of these other books? And she's like, no, like, why isn't anyone in my fun stories with the cochlear implants? So it really kind of dawned on me at that point that I was like, you know what? You're right. Why aren't they in in there? I had been kind of like thinking a little bit before then, like, wouldn't it be cool to write a book about Mila and she's so spunky and everything. And so I think it made me realize that, yeah, there really is a gap in the market. And I think that it's something that needs to be filled, not just for kids with hearing loss, but for all kids that they better understand those with differences. And so all children can celebrate each other's differences and show each other more kindness. And I think that's an important message for everyone. 
Absolutely. Because I think when they're younger, they all want to fit in, right? Or just like they belong. And then I do think as we get older, we understand that we all want to belong, but I think we start to learn to embrace Mm -hmm. those differences because I believe that it's those differences that really make us unique, stand out and as a superpower. And when I was reading your story and reading the book, because I did get it. I had to get it. That's awesome. When I was reading it, I was like, she makes it sound like this is her superpower, right? That it hasn't held Mm -hmm. her back. It's not slowing her down. It's just part of who she is. And I love that. I had three kids in glasses and one in hearing aids Mm -hmm. and mama wears glasses. Dad, I don't know. Dad's got great eyes, great teeth, like great ears. It's like, whatever, (laughs) shut up. We all have something. They got it from me. Okay, I own it. But it was really important to me. And I want to know about you that when my daughter had hearing aids, I had to make that decision. Okay. It's just like her brother has glasses, mom wears glasses, like nobody's bodies are perfect. And I know that hearing aids is a little bit less common than a child wearing glasses, but I had to make that decision. Was I going to let this hold her back? Was I going to let her develop a victim mindset and woe is me and I can't? And that's just not my personality. Or am I just going to say it is what it is? It's just like other people in the family wear glasses. Their eyes don't work as well. And so we need help. Your ears don't work as well. So they need a little help. And I never let her develop that or use it as an excuse. I mean, she did have a little help in school and stuff, but I never let her use it as an excuse to hold her back. And I'm so glad that I didn't let it become a disability. I know the world society sees it that way, but she to this day doesn't let it hold her back. And people are shocked because she did speech therapy and all this stuff. And so she has what sounds like a little accent, but it's the speech. So what was your mindset and thinking when you find out she has hearing aids and then she needs implants? Like, did you have to take a minute to really be intentional and process? What type of mom were you going to be? How are you going to raise your daughter with the understanding of all of this? So it was a big shock to my husband and I, because we have no history of hearing loss in the family. And we still don't know what her hearing loss is due to. We kind of just launched into like tactical mode. Like we need to figure out everything we can from the very beginning. Because her hearing loss was identified when she was one, she was already so spunky, such a little spitfire, that I think that the fact that it was identified then was a blessing because we kind of knew that nothing was going to hold her back just because of the way she was. You're always going to worry how the world's going to treat your child, but I never worry about how she's going to do because she's confident. She's strong. She's always been that way. She's still a little spitfire, spunky fit spitfire. And she has moments that break your heart when she was little. Like she would say things like, well, when I get older and I don't have to wear my cochlear implants anymore and having to take a moment and explain, like, you're always going to need to wear your cochlear implants. Or when she'll say like, even now she'll say sometimes, how come no one else in our family has cochlear implants? And I do the same thing that you just said, I explain Like I wear contacts. If I don't have my contacts on, I can't see anything really. I was like, you have cochlear implants to help you hear. I have contacts to help me see. Daddy has contacts and we have family members that are older. They have hearing aids too. So I referenced that and I say, you know, everybody has things that are different about them. And even if you can't visibly see it, some people are better at math. Some people are terrible at math and great at art and they're super artistic. Some people are amazing at sports. Everybody's different. I try to always say, and I do this in like the author visits that I do too with the book and talking to kids, like think about the things that make you different and be excited and happy to share what those things are. But don't just think about yourself, but think about the things that make other kids different and help them celebrate that. Like help them feel good about that because the world would be so boring if everybody was exactly the same and we're different for a reason. That's the kind of the vibe I try to give out in our household. And with Mila, she wears headbands with her cochlear implants and their retention headbands to help them stay on her head. Because if it pops off the part that's magnetized, the whole processor won't fall to the floor and she won't crush it. And we're out thousands of dollars, right? So she's mm-hmm. always wearing uh-huh. retention headbands, but we must have like 50 of them. Like they're sparkly, there's animal prints, there's tons of different themes. And she picks them out each morning and we have decals on her cochlear implants that she loves to change out. So she does it and she runs to her friends and shows them in school. And I'll ask them when I came home, like, did everybody like your new decals? And she's like, yeah, they did. She's a sparkly little fancy little thing usually. And so 
I try to play that up with the cochlear implants. Like there's no reason why they can't be sparkly mm-hmm. and fun too. Until now, she's a little over six. You know, 95% of the time, she is very confident about them and she's great. It's just her and it's part of what makes her special. It really adds to her resilience and it adds to her character and it's helped to make her the beautiful person that she is. I wouldn't change anything. Absolutely. So we have four kids. It's our second daughter who has hearing aids. And we could not understand that little girl for the longest time. But yet the oldest one, we'd hear, and I'd be like, she wants more cookies. And we're like, how did you translate what she wanted? And she did it so well. She understood her sister. So I love that idea because I would agree. Like I had cancer many years ago and I saw how it affected like one of my siblings who was in the home when I was sick and stuff. And I think oftentimes those siblings or the other part of the family, they can go unrecognized and unnoticed. So I think that would be a beautiful thing in honor of him and all his support. I'm just going to have to stalk him. Like, oh, the book's out. Gotta get it. The book's out. Gotta get it. I love it. Uh, As a mom, though, why was it just so important to you to create this book? So it was important to me because I didn't want my daughter to feel underrepresented in one of her primary sources of media, which is children's books. All kids are impacted by books. When she had that comment about not having characters that looked like her in her fun books, It just broke my heart and I kind of didn't look back. I was just like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to figure out how the heck do you create a book? (laughs) How do you find an illustrator and an editor and a designer? It took me a year and a half to do it. At nighttime after the day job was done and kids and activities and all that. But it didn't ever feel like work to me. Like I just knew that it was going to be helpful to not just Mila, but for other children out there that have hearing loss or just feel different and not just because it empowers them and makes them feel represented, but because of the fact that it's not very medically focused. It's a book that typical hearing children and parents of typical hearing children are much more likely to read and pick up. And that will help them learn more about seeing a character with cochlear implants So that coming back to Mila, so that when she's on the playground, maybe she doesn't get as many kids staring and wondering what they are. Maybe in my dream, everybody knows what they are. And if they ask questions, it's more so because they're curious and they want to understand more about how do they work? And do you have to wear them to sleep? Do you wear them in the water? And she gets some questions, but it's the stares that are sometimes hard. And I think the Mm -hmm. stares more so come from not being familiar with what it is. So I think that if I could help children feel more empowered and represented and connected and seeing a character that's like them in children's book, that's all worth it then all the late nights and the time and the effort and money and all that. So that's really what keeps me going and keeps me driven to keep the series going. And after the first one, I was like, I don't know how this is going to do and (laughs) who's going to get it. But I've heard so many people reach out with like, such kind messages about how like their child didn't feel represented or how they took the book into their classroom and they read it and it helped them explain themselves to their peers that don't have hearing loss. Or, you know, a parent reached out to me and they're like, my children don't have hearing loss, but they want to be like Mighty Mila. And they always tell me that they want to be a big kid and they can do things on their own. It's nice to hear all the different ways that it's been helpful to people. And it's really what's driven me to keep the series going and work over the last year and a half again or so on the second book. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. You self-published mm-hmm. and you taught yourself all of this. So you weren't a writer before oh, this no. or anything like that, correct? <laughs> no. Tell me about that journey. How did you learn all of this? This is a funny backstory, actually. So Mila has had a teacher of the deaf, Ashley McEvec, since one years old. When her hearing loss was identified, she had a teacher of the deaf and she had a speech therapist. And Ashley has stayed with us our entire time, now five years or so. And before she was going to get cochlear implants, I went to Ashley and I said, what are all the good books out there? Like I said, I want to help Mila understand what's going to happen. What are all the good books? So she told me a couple and she's like, honestly, I've really been wanting to write a book for a long time about a character going from hearing aids to cochlear implants. And I'd love to write it about Mila, if you'd be okay. And I said, absolutely, that would be great. So before Mila got her cochlear implants, before I even ever thought about writing a book, and this is kind of what sparked me to think that a real person that didn't go to school for writing and journalism and English and all that could write one. She wrote and self-published a book called Mila Gets Her Super Ears. And it's about a little girl, Mila's journey, getting hearing aids to cochlear implants. And seeing her do it made me, again, see that it's achievable for someone to do this. And then when Mila had that comment, and I realized a gap in the market for like a book that wasn't medically focused, the two worlds kind of came together. I realized they actually could do it. I can do it. And I have this concept that I think would really be great. And so it started down the line of, I did like an author work group for 12 weeks. That was wonderful. I joined like Facebook groups. I joined the Society of Children's Books, Writers and Illustrators, just joined a ton of things, researched a lot, and just slowly started learning how to do it and piecing it all together. There's a lot to it. You have the decision right off the bat, do you self-publish or do you go traditionally publish and look for a publisher to pick you up? And I didn't spend too long thinking about that because I learned very early on that like the traditionally published books have a very long runway. Often you have to get an agent and that takes a while. Then you have to get picked up by the publisher and that takes a while. And then you get into their list of when are they going to publish the different books? And I'm like, Mila's only a little girl enjoying children's books for so long. I want this book to be out there so that she can enjoy it and her friends can enjoy it and kids that she's around. I was like, I need to get this out there quickly as I can with high quality and with my vision the way that I wanted. I didn't want someone maybe taking it. You don't always have a ton of control. Like I knew what I want the illustrations to look like. I knew what I wanted it to be. So decided to do it all myself. And it's a lot of effort and a lot of learning, but I'm very happy with the end product. It's definitely a cute book because I think we've had you scheduled for a while now. And so I've been holding on to the book in my office. And then I was like, afterwards, I think I'm going to give it to my daughter. She's 21, but still, I thought it would be cute to give it to her. It's great. The colors, everything, super cute. I've heard you say that it's not a medical book. It's more just about a little girl Mm -hmm. and who she is. So can you just tell us what really the book is about? So about a little girl who is determined to prove to her family that she's a big kid because she wants to be treated like a big kid. And she decides that it's something that she needs to do all on her own and that she's not going to ask for help at all. She has a plan. And she thinks that being a big kid means that she can do everything on her own. She won't ask for help. So it basically follows her day and she tries to do different things and they get more and more challenging. Her cochlear implants are referenced along the way as helping, for example, she's playing hide and seek and she usually needs help to find her brother, Luca, but this time she's going to focus and listen to all the sounds and so on. And she's able to find him on her own, but it gets really challenging when she needs to learn how to ride her bike. And she realizes that she can't do everything on her own. And she learns from looking at her brother, Luca, that, you know what, actually big kids do need to ask for help. And when you ask for help, you can achieve the things that you set your mind on. And so she kind of learns along the way that even big kids do ask for help. And she is applauded as being the big kid at the end. So that's basically the basis of the book about asking for help, being a big kid, being independent, but also relying on those that you love and trust for help. The deeper message obviously is around representation and inclusion and all of that. Well, she understands (laughs) that even big kids like us still have to ask for help. It's a fictional story, but the 
way Mila behaves and things she says in the books are entirely how she would react. And she always wanted to do things on her own. And I'm always saying, Mila, like I asked for help all day long. Like, I don't know how to do a lot of things myself. I'm dealing with that right now with my three-year-old Sophia. She wants to do everything on her own and it's independent stage. That's a lesson that every child needs to learn. And I think it's an applicable message for everyone. Absolutely. And then what age range is this book? Ages three through eight. So this book has done really well. Tell me, has it like far exceeded your expectations? It has. It's won five or six different gold medals for different book awards, including Reader's Favorite, Eric Hoffer, IBPA, Benjamin Franklin, all gold awards in those categories, which I'm still like my jaw is still on the floor from all that. It's just been wonderful the way it's been recognized. 350 or so five-star reviews on Amazon. It's done well. And it's been amazing to see considering that there's probably a laundry list of a million things I need to do for marketing and for like getting it out there that I just don't have time to do. It's nice to see the effort get out there and just the fact that it's getting into the hands of kids, into classrooms, into libraries. That's what really matters to me is that it's getting into the hands of people that will benefit from it. And the best thing for me is hearing from individuals that it's made a difference to them or saying that they want to get it for their kids classroom and for the library so that they can share the message. So just hearing those things from readers just really makes my heart happy. I'll tell you something that made my heart happy is I was reading your story. And I think it's at the end, you're talking about a bookstore turning you guys down mm-hmm. and carrying it. Was this before mm-hmm. all the awards or was this? No, after? no, it was before all the awards. Okay. Yeah. I love rooting for the underdog. I don't like being put in a box. I'm not someone who likes to just go with the flow, just to go with the flow. I think we've all been given brains for a reason. And so when I saw that, I was like, oh, you go girl. Did they hear about your book or pick it up? or like, whatever, I'm not even going to mess with it. <laughs> I don't know, but I really want to do like a pretty woman moment where I walk in and I have like all the awards. <laughs> seals on the books and I'm like oh yeah like <laughs> oh now you want to carry it like <laughs> want it now I would never but like crosses my mind but I don't know I honestly don't know I haven't been back there it's just just disappointing that someone would say to me that they're not going to carry it because no one's going to buy a book that clearly shows a character with cochlear implants on the front because it's not marketable for them so it's just wish them the best that's great I won't be going back. I will just keep looking forward and I'll keep marching on. And if they happen to get the book in other ways and sell it, they can get it through distributors and everything (laughs) versus me back in the day when I have to walk into the bookstore with my little book and say, hey, you want to carry it on consignment? Like now they can get it other places. So maybe they do. But it just helped me realize that this is a mission worth fighting for and that as much as people want to say, oh, no, people don't feel that way still. Like, oh, no, people are so accept. Like, well, yes, the vast majority of people are. But there's still people that you have to change their mindset and you have to make them realize that, like, no one should have all the books in their house have characters that look exactly like them because kids need to see characters that look like them. Mm-hmm. But they, on the flip side, need to see characters that don't look like them. It's important to have a mix, whatever that mix may be. doesn't have to be a character with hearing loss. It could be a character in a wheelchair with a prosthetic arm, whatever it may be. I'll admit I was not good at that diversity when my kids were little, but my oldest daughter has a baby and she's all about dolls with different hair color, Mm -hmm. different skin tone. Her books are very diverse. I don't know if that's like just the younger generation or if it's just her and her personality, but I love it. It really opened my eyes when I'm buying him stuff. I'm like, no, I want him to have a little, a doll with black hair, right? I want the skin to look darker than his. And so I love that she does that. And another thing as you were talking is I get people like, don't reinvent the wheel if it works. And so this bookstore was like, look, we know it works. That's not going to work here. But there are times that you just absolutely have to go against the grain. You have to listen to your gut. I think too many people allow their head to lead them in life and logic. And I think that can get you in trouble. And so I just think that more people need to go with that gut, put logic aside and be a game changer. Yeah. Did you get any other resistance or negative feedback in making this book with anything? No, I have not. I really haven't. Nothing's for everybody. I know that along the way, someone may not like the book or maybe people have different views on implanting your child with cochlear implants. And that's okay. You're never going to please everyone. 
but right. luckily have not had any other resistance. I'm ready if they're <laughs> ready if it comes. <laughs> I love it. And then what type of hearing loss does Mila have? She has sensory neural hearing loss, unlike conductive hearing loss, where it may be people hear about kids getting tubes or things like that with fluid in the ear. It's not fluid related. It's sensory neural, meaning that it's related to the inner ear. We don't know what, but part of her inner ear doesn't work the same way that it does for those of us that have typical hearing. So somewhere along the way, when sound goes into the ear, something's breaking down and it's not getting to her auditory nerve. So basically the cochlear implant bypasses all of that. Can you, for the listeners and for me who don't really understand or know what that is, can you explain that a little bit better for us? Yeah, sure. So her ear, when you talk or yell or anything, because now Mila is profoundly deaf, so she doesn't have any hearing, the sound's not getting into her auditory nerve and up to her brain through her ears. So the cochlear implant There's two pieces. There's an internal piece that was implanted into the inside of her head, not in like the skull or anything, but underneath the skin through a procedure. It's an outpatient. She was there for a couple hours afterwards, outpatient. She didn't stay overnight or anything. She got it when she was three, where a specialized ear doctor called an otolaryngologist will basically make a small incision behind the ear and put this little piece that has a magnet in it, kind of like 45 degrees above like your ear. And then it has a small, very skinny little, like a string, this little electrode array. And they take that and they weave that into the cochlea in the inner ear, which is like a snail shell. So they kind of wrap it into there and it has different points along it that stimulate the inside of the ear based upon the sound that it is. So high pitch sounds are like one spot that's stimulated and low pitch is at another spot, but there's a number of different electrodes along there that stimulate and that gives the electronic data directly to the auditory nerve that goes up to the brain. Now the sound comes into that part through this part that's on the outside. It's called a processor. So there's a couple of different types. She wears this one called a behind the ear, where basically it looks like a hearing aid and it sits behind her ear, like wraps around her ear, like a hearing aid where there's a microphone, but then there's a little coil that goes like a little line and then like a circular thing that pops onto a magnet and that magnetizes to the little magnet underneath her head. So once the two magnets touch, the sound goes from the external part into the internal part. And so basically sound goes into the microphone along the little wire. It connects into the head through the magnet, goes down the array that's around like the cochlea and stimulates the auditory nerve. And so it's all electronic data that essentially stimulates your nerve and goes up to the brain. So your brain has to like remap how to understand sound. It's different for everyone, but because of the fact that she had a functioning auditory nerve with her hearing aids beforehand and then her hearing dropped. It kind of was just like reactivating it. And she learned how to hear through her cochlear implants within days of being activated. Sometimes it's a little longer for others and for individuals that are fully deaf and never had hearing aid. I think it takes sometimes longer for them to make sense of what is sound if they've never heard sound before. But for us, the experience was luckily very easy. As you're saying this, it just kind of blows my mind, to be honest, that this is a thing that people can do. How long have these been around? Do you know? I'm not entirely sure, but I think somewhere between 30 and 40 years. Oh my gosh, I was not expecting that. Yeah. Well, and I can only imagine that they've gotten better with time. Like yeah. as technology changes, the medical field, that's really neat so and amazing. Cool. Technology does change. And one of the really nice things. And who knows where technology is going to go? Because things are drastically different with technology than it was even like five years ago or whatever. But like the thought is that she should be able to have that internal part for the rest of her life. And then technology enhancements are made to the external part. So now the external piece, you can Bluetooth. Like if someone calls my phone, like I can have a Bluetooth straight into her head where I can't hear the speaker, you know, onto the computer or TV. Like I can't hear anything. It just goes straight into her head. It's really awesome. Yeah. What does she think about her implants? It's all she knows. She is very good about wearing them. Like every time we go to the audiologist, they're like, whoa, they can track the number of listening hours with cochlear implants and she will wear them Mm -hmm. from the second she gets up 
to honestly, even after she gets into bed, she likes to have the mom. She has a room right now with her little sister. So they talk a bit. And then when she's ready to go to sleep, she'll call me and say, mom, come take my cochlear implants. And then, you know, or if Sophia is getting like really loud and like yelling or singing or whatever, Mila just wants quiet. <laughs> she has this ability to turn off her hearing. And so she'll hand me her mm-hmm. cochlear implants. Number of times that I'd love to just be like, guys, be quiet. Like I need a listening break, right? It's funny. Like you can close your eyes to not see, but you can't turn off your hearing, but she can. And so it really suits her really well. And I try to point this out to her, like when we're in car rides where everybody's loud and she just wants to take a nap and she just asked me if she can take them off and hands them to me. And I'm like, Mila, like none of us have the ability to do that. And she's like, yeah, that is pretty cool. Right. So (laughs) there's some really cool aspects to it as well. First, going back to your question, that's all she knows. She likes to decorate Mm -hmm. them. She thinks they're pretty. She thinks they're fun. And they are because she started to like say the retention handband is messing my hair up, which it does. It's like her hair is like a rat nest all the time. And she wants to start just wearing them without it. So like you can put like double-sided tape, like wig tape kind of behind it and stick it kind of to the side of her ear. So we've been practicing on that. And she's like, I feel so grown up. She likes that she can hear with them and she likes how they look aesthetically. I hope that confidence. And that's part of the reason the book is like, I will do anything to keep that confidence there for Mm. her whole life. And I know that there will be times that it'll waver just like for any of us with anything that we feel We'd love to change about mm-hmm. ourselves or whatever, but, you know, just kind of being like a steady force in her life to say, like, they're not what make you who you are. They're a little piece, just like many other things are a little piece of what make you who you are. And they help to make you the beautiful person you are. And I love them and I always will. Yeah. And I love that she can turn off the world. My daughter would do <laughs> yeah. that on purpose. She would, she would take him out. She did it to me for the first time, like a month ago on purpose, where she was annoyed with what I was saying to her. I was <laughs> angry about something and she just looked at me and popped them off her head. And I was like, Oh no. I like, I thought I'd at least get a few more. Years. Wait till she's a I teenager. Oh, I'm pretty sure she is. But she <laughs> is a teenager in a six-year-old body. So I don't know what's to come for me because either I'm like, getting adjusted to the teenage years now, or like, I just have no idea what's going to hit me. So, <laughs> Well, between doing that and her personality, I would say she's going to give you a I run know. for your money for yeah, sure. Yeah, I don't know, going to. <laughs> she has given me a run for my money, but yeah. <laughs> has she ever thought about creating her own headbands? I don't know. I think she would like to do that, though. That's a good idea. Me and my niece just created a journal for teens, a self-love journal. And on it, we put created for teens by a teen and her favorite aunt. I think when teenagers or parents are, it's like a mom creating a book for a mom. It makes sense. So I wonder if a child who actually has them and knows a child creating these bands for a child. I think maybe it just resonates. I like that. A little bit more. Yeah. I'm going to have to ask yeah. her. Oh, man. I just got all ideas, these ideas for know, you. I know. Tracy keeps me too busy. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> Does she help in the making of the book? She is actively involved, just like actually her brother and sister in like what outfits they're wearing in the book. And I'll read them early drafts. They'll make comments or I'll like get a sense for like what's working, what's not working. They definitely are involved. My son, Luca, he's very artistic. And so he actually helped me go through the initial drafts of the illustrations. And he was like, let's do this here. Let's change that there. Like, wouldn't this be funny, mom? And some things get left on the editing room floor. But a couple of the ideas I brought into the book. <laughs> the first book has a cat in the book and it's purple. This is random. Like it's part mm-hmm. of the family cat. There's no explanation as to why the cat's purple. Cats can be different too. But the reason why the cat is purple is because Luca, especially then, was like obsessed with the color purple diehard purple fan. He's eight years old now since he's been three, everything purple. And he loves cats, loves purple cats. So it was my thing to like write into the book for him to make it feel special Mm -hmm. for him. They influence the books in other ways too. The way I write the story is kind of weird. It's like I visualize it a little bit like a movie and then I write the words. Like I know what I want to happen. I know what the illustrations look like. And then I write the words. I'm always picturing them and what would they do and how would they say it? So it's very much influenced by the kids and it is what it is because of them. 
And that would make sense the way you write it because it yeah. is for kids. And so it's almost like you have to get in the mind of one. And when you're talking about the purple cat, I grabbed the book. The purple cat is on the cover and then I see him sleeping with a hat on. But you know, it goes. Yeah. And then I did read the back of the book. You mentioned something about it. There's so much color everywhere that you don't even think twice. If you want to take it a little deeper, it's like we are all different and unique and it makes us beautiful. Right. Exactly. It's a children's book. So, you might as well stretch reality. Like, who cares? <laughs> When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So tell me what fighting for representation for the hard of hearing community. What's that been like? Are you out there doing other things or is it mainly through books to get to children? What's that journey been like? It's primarily through the book. I get involved in hearing loss organizations like Walks for Hearing and trying to promote that into my community. I do a lot of author visits as well, which are wonderful because it helps me to impact a lot of kids at once. You know, we read the book that we spend a lot of time talking about differences and celebrating differences. And depending upon the age group, I explain to them like how hearing works. Mila has an extra pair of cochlear implants, but I'll show them like her cochlear implants and her old hearing aids. And it helps to really kind of bring it full spectrum to them and really help them understand. So I love doing those. One of the things I've been doing is I have a book donation program on my website and I have raised over 500 donated Mighty Mila books. So it's basically anyone can go on and for $10, they can donate a book where I collect all the books and I have partnered with a number of hearing loss organizations, including NYU, CHC, a number of other cochlear implant organizations in the area. And I get them into the hands of the nonprofits and they get them directly to the children that have hearing loss or educators that work with kids with hearing loss or audiologists in the area. And that's been wonderful. Like over 500 books now have been donated and gotten into the hands of these kids that either didn't know about the book or they couldn't afford the book or whatever it may be. I try to do that as well to try to help spread it and get it to the kids that need it the most. I'm always looking for ways to get involved and to help. You know, I have on my Instagram page and Facebook, I try to share information about like the hearing loss journey to help other parents that are just starting out on the journey be able to see like everything's going to be okay. A lot to process and a lot to deal with, but like mm -hmm. you got this, everything's going to be okay. And I have parents reach out pretty often saying like, my kid just got diagnosed with hearing loss and about to get cochlear implants. Do you have time to chat? And I'll always make time. It might be this week. It might be the next week, whatever. But like, I'll always make time to like call people and be that person for them. Like people were for me that I didn't know that I was calling and just be like, hi, I don't know you, but someone so-and-so recommended me. I talked to you like my child has hearing loss. Like, what do I do next? If I could be that person for other people, like I'm happy to be because I really do need a community and you need to know that there's people to reach out to. So, you know, it's little things like that that I try to do when I can. So I just have a few more questions in closing. What advice can you give parents who find themselves on this journey, but they are just really struggling and having a hard time? I would say the first thing is find medical professionals that you trust and that you feel comfortable with talking to and going to with your questions. Find an audiologist that you feel comfortable with because you're going to have lots of questions for them. And you need someone that's going to take the time to really explain it to you and help you understand what they recommend and how to help your child. If you're going for hearing devices, help them hear as clearly as possible. That's one. Two is your 
speech pathologist, teacher of the deaf, those individuals for me, they are like family. Like, I mean, I'm texting them all the time, asking them questions. Like they are my biggest support network. So find professionals that know way more than you do and they can help teach you. It's great to learn things on Facebook groups and on the internet, but find like the real people that are the professionals that know what they're doing and use that other information to supplement it. But there's tons of information out there and there's tons of views this way or that. And what works for one person that that someone may be really pushing like, no, this is the way to do it. Maybe that was best for their kid. There's so many factors that come into play. So I'd say find the professionals that you trust and that you can talk to and then find your community, whatever that may be, like your broader community. Do you have like friends? Are there other kids that you can put your kids in contact? And this is one thing that I'm working on too, is getting Mila to have relationships with other children that have hearing devices, hearing loss, deafness. And I think the biggest thing I should have said this up front is just whether you choose for your child to have hearing devices or you choose for your child not to have hearing devices and learn to sign Kids need communication, you know, and it doesn't have to be hearing devices or sign like it can be hearing devices and learn sign language. And that's wonderful. I want to start learning more sign language as well for our family. But it's just so important for kids to have a way to communicate because. Hearing loss or deafness will only make them feel isolated if they can't communicate with people and that communication can come through hearing and spoken language, or it can come through signing or it can come from a combination of both. So figure out as a family, what makes the most sense for you. And then just like get your child a way to communicate. Yeah. That would be number one. I love that you said you need to trust your doctor because I think oftentimes people just listen, even though their gut is telling them this isn't an Mm -hmm. alignment, you know, as someone who's had lots of medical issues. I've never needed a reason, but my gut, if my gut says what you're saying is not in alignment with me, yeah. I don't need to explain it. In the past, I think I went through about eight cardiologists <laughs> and my husband said, he thought I was in denial. Like, is it just because they're not telling you what you don't want to hear? And I'm like, yeah, but not in the way you're saying that it's in the way that what they're yeah. saying isn't resonating with my right. soul. And until I find a doctor that does resonate with my soul, I'll go through a hundred. And so I think it's important that people understand that it's okay to seek out multiple doctors until you find one that just is like, yes, this is it. I think it is so important to have. It really is because I read so many things on social media where someone says like, my doctor is saying this and it doesn't seem right. Or I just feel like I can't ever get in to ask some questions. And it's, you have to find the relationship that works because this person, whether you want to or not, they're going to become a very important relationship with you and your child. And you have to trust them. The gut is a very powerful thing. You have a lot of feelings going on when you're first identifying hearing loss, especially if you didn't expect it. So just because you don't like what someone's saying doesn't necessarily mean it's not the right thing that they're saying to do. So I think there's a matter of like, listen to reason, listen to your gut, do your research, right? piece it all together and hopefully figure out what makes mm-hmm. the most sense for you and your child. Absolutely. And that's why I think trusting your gut, because a doctor could absolutely say something that is like, eh, I don't like it, but your gut's like, but this is the doctor I need to yeah, be with. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? So absolutely. And I think for me, finding a doctor where we have way more control in our health and the say in everything and in goals. And so for me, it's important to find a doctor what my end goal is. They can support that and help me achieve whether it's getting off medication through a lifestyle or whatever. So I think those are really good. What are three things you wish that you would have known in the very beginning that you had to learn along the way that you were like, man, if someone just could have told me these three things or this one thing, it would have made all the difference. That is going to be okay. I mean, people always say that, right? And you hear it and you're not ready to accept it at that point. Or you're like, yeah, I know it's going to be okay, but I just need to get there. Like, I don't see that yet. Know that it's going to be okay and give yourself the time to... Be okay with all the feelings that you're going to experience along the way and that you're going to have to process until that point when you're like, life is just normal. This is not something that's consuming every waking moment of my life right now with research and worry and thinking about this and that. It's just, honestly, I didn't think about it at all today. Or it's always in the back of your head, but it's just part of everything that's going on. And I think that one, know that 
you're going to get there and two, give yourself time to feel all the feelings and process everything and know that it's okay to feel the way you're going to feel, whatever it is, and know that it's hard to compartmentalize. Like I'm worried for my child because I want them to have everything in the world and kind of know that they are going to, and just give yourself the time to get there and them to get there too. Everybody yeah. needs to adjust. Maybe the path to getting all the things you want them to have, it just looks yeah. a little different, but they can still get there. What about for the parent who is so worried that their kid is going to be teased or bullied for either hearing aids or implants? I, that's a worry I have because you can't control what other kids mm-hmm. do. And, you know, kids, mm-hmm. they don't always make the best choices and they don't always understand the impact it has Mm -hmm. on each other. And bullying is such an issue. So I'd say like of all my worries right now relating to the fact that Mila's deaf and his hearing loss, that's probably my biggest worry versus I know that she can achieve anything that she's going to. I know we have a great team. There's things that she struggles with for sure with like cochlear implants doesn't give you access to the same sign that those of us that hear acoustically have this differences. The bullying thing is what really makes me nervous. And that's a big part of what I'm also trying to combat with the book too, is like, I don't think kids are mean just for the sake of being mean. Usually I think it's a lack of understanding, a lack of awareness. And it's just like, mm-hmm. they don't have a filter a lot of the times. And sometimes when they say things, it may be perceived in a different way than what they intended. Luckily, we have not experienced that at all. And I think as a parent, no matter what it is, you'll probably experience your kid hearing something that they don't like hearing or feeling bad about something at some point in their life. And you just have to take it as it comes. But yeah, that would be something that Mm -hmm. I think it's normal to have that worry. And what you can do as a parent is just help instill their sense of confidence. Don't let them know that there is something that's different than other kids, but it's something to be proud of. And it's something to, to share with others. I say to me, they're like, anybody ask you questions about it? She's not really. I was like, you can tell them about it. Like, it doesn't have to be some kind of like taboo topic. Mm-hmm. And when we go out, like if someone's looking at her cochlear implants or little kids asking a question, I love to bring her, you know, I'll say, Mila, do you want to go show them? Or if, if she sees another kid out and about that has cochlear implants, like, let's go talk to them. Come on. And she'll walk up and I'll help her like talk to them. So I think it's important as a parent to model the behavior that you want your kids to see. And if they see that you're upbeat and positive about everything, then there's no reason why they should think that anything other than that. Yeah. And I would agree with my daughter. We made it a point that we weren't going to coddle her, yeah. right? She wasn't going to get special treatment at home. Yes. In the classrooms, like sitting closer, yeah. there were certain things she needed, but she was not going to be treated any differently than the other kids. I think things were said. I definitely don't think she was bullied, but like you said, sometimes kids say things in elementary Mm -hmm. and they just don't really understand it. But I think the way I looked at it and what I, you know, me and my husband, we would talk about it is the comments that were said or however it made her feel, it can help build character. It can teach these kids to be more compassionate towards other kids who have differences that maybe are a little bit more noticeable and stuff. I'm all about struggles and can be a struggle in these kids' life. But like you said, if we model in a good way with Faith, I was like, don't make it a big deal. And she did have to get used to answering questions and Mm -hmm. saying, and then with time like you, I would say, Hey, is anyone saying anything about it? You know, just checking in. And she's like, no, she was also in the same school for many years. So people knew. And so that was just kind of how we dealt with it was one, if you're very insecure and you're very shy and you're all these things, and maybe that's going to reflect and other people might feel the same way. But if you're very confident and own it and just talk about it, Like, how else are they going to treat you? But I do think that it did help her become more compassionate and it did help build character for her, which I'm never going to try and take that from my kids. And usually that just happens to come through struggle. I'm not saying that her having hearing aids was easy peasy and a smooth road. I know she had little bumps here and there and a few hiccups, but I definitely from when I've asked her wasn't bullied. I think that if it takes to the bullying, that's a parent's need to get involved. Yeah. That's a whole different level versus a kid just saying something or talking about it. Okay. Is there anything else or any last minute thoughts that you have or anything that you'd like to leave with our listeners? No matter whether your child has a disability or not, your child is different from other children somehow they're different. And so mm-hmm. helping them celebrate those things that make them different, helping them to be comfortable with those things 
and then also helping them to be someone that shows kindness to other children that are maybe struggling with the things that make them different. Kids hear from their parents all the time how they're perfect because you are they are perfect in their parents' eyes. But I think kids hearing from another kid that whatever it is that they're struggling with or whatever it is that they feel is different, whether it's something visible or not visible, hearing from another child, their peer, that's okay. And that that's cool. And that they like that about them. I think that resonates maybe even more than your parent just saying like, you're perfect to me because you are, and you're always going to be. And the kids know that, but hearing from others, to me, that really is pushing. It's like making your kid feel good about themselves, but then also pushing it one step further and help your kids make other kids feel good about themselves. Kids come from many different families and backgrounds and they struggle with different things. So we all have to be advocates for each other and not just ourselves and others. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like from just you talking about your daughter and the book and everything that she just uses this as a superpower. And I would not be surprised or shocked if she really goes on to make massive waves and differences Mm -hmm. in the community. I'm excited to see where all my kids go and I'm excited to see what she does And it would be really cool if she did something in the hearing loss field, but it's also really cool if she did something that doesn't have anything to do with Mm it. The second book is all about career day and figuring out what you want to be when you grow up. And it's been really funny talking to her about like, what are the things you want to do? And it changes on a daily basis. And it's like, great, like do everything, do all the things you love. Like don't limit yourself. Want to be a chef and like a quote unquote nail polish person and a engineer one day, go for it. Do all the things you love. Nothing can stop you. And I think that's an important message for kids to hear. Absolutely. I know for my daughter, I did not push her hard, but I did try to encourage her to learn sign language. She had that ability to do it in school and she just really never took to it. I wanted to see her maybe become a little bit more involved in the community, but that's just not her path that she wants to take. And I respect Mm -hmm. that and honor it. But the mom in me was like, how cool would it be if like you could then one day turn around and help little kids or if you knew sign language, even though she can hear, she has a lot of lip Mm -hmm. reading. I just thought it would be cool, but that's just not what she wanted. So I had to respect that and let her do her thing and choose her path. We're kind of in a similar situation where I'm like, I want to learn sign language. I think it'd be great for all of us to know sign language because it will open doors for her to others in the deaf community. She's not as receptive to it right now, but it's still something that I want to jump into and learn. And as she gets older, she can pave her own path. If you give them all the building blocks that they need to make those decisions, just like I say, like, no, when she gets older, if she decides she doesn't want to use her cochlear implants and she only wants to sign, go for it. Like, you can make that decision. Like, I don't want to limit any of her choices for when she grows up and can make choices on her own more understanding what those choices mean. Because for sure, she makes choices on her own right now. But I have to overrule a lot of them. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think sign language just as a skill alone is powerful in the workforce. Absolutely. And that's what I kept telling my daughter, like, yes, because of your hearing loss and that you can help there, but like just a skill, it's just a powerful skill that if you have that, like people are like, wow, it's almost like speaking another language. Well, yeah, I mean, it is. Yeah. It's wonderful to have access to any other language. And if it's something that is so closely related to you as an individual, like I'd rather her learn sign language than any other language, because I think that it'll be more relevant for her and us in her life. So I would love to learn sign language. And I've gotten some nice advice from others around different ways to like get started and like courses and stuff like that. That's on my list. Things to do. Well, when you learn it and she doesn't and you just need to tell her something with attitude, you just sign to her. And if she doesn't understand it, say, honey, you want to understand what I'm saying? You can learn. (laughs) I know how to say stop it in sign language and I use it very frequently. She can tell from my face also that I'm saying stop because she doesn't have her cochlear implants on in the bath or in like at bed. So like I know some necessary signs to communicate with her, like we know good morning and stop it. And I love you all. I mean, sign that all the time and various Mm -hmm. other ones that are more helpful when she has her cochlear implants off. I've made it a point like that. I want to learn at least one new sign a week and bring it to the family. And we're going to have that weekly sign and we're going to try to build upon that. We will get there, but I think that it is a beautiful language and I'd love to learn it and be able to communicate with those in the deaf community that don't have access to sound. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Katie. It's been a pleasure and an honor just hearing more of your journey as a mom, learning more about your daughter, Mila, and the book and what you're doing. It's been great. I often hear, Tracy, I don't know how to help. I want to do something. I just don't know what that something is. My response is always simple. What is an issue or a cause that is close to your heart? Now find a solution to it and take action. That is exactly what Katie did. No, you don't need to be an expert either. Your experience is what qualifies you. We all have causes close to our heart for one reason or another. No, you can't help every cause, but thankfully you can pick one and put all your weight behind it because yes, you can make a difference. If you know someone this story might resonate with, send them a link to this episode. Also, tag me on Instagram at Tracy Farron and let me know what part of this story resonated with you the most. The best way to help support this show is to rate, review, and subscribe. Your support means everything. Until next time, rock your kindness. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.